Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hello and welcome. You're watching Destination Draft Day. I'm Michael Rockman here with Nick Durst. Nick, we have a very interesting week coming up. We had a very interesting week of football yeah. with everything going on, COVID-wise, Thursday night football-wise. And oh, I gotta ask you, Michael, are you ready for some Tuesday night football? Tuesday night football next week. The Bills are gonna be playing on Tuesday versus Titans. That means the Thursday night game is gonna be moved to Sunday. And you know who's not happy about that? the Chiefs, and more importantly, Fox, because they're going to be losing out on that Thursday night football game. ESPN is very happy because they're adding an extra game on Monday for the Patriots. Uh, and the Jets, might, they might be in danger now. We'll save that talk for when Brian comes on. Of course, Brian's going to be here with his, his picks of the weekend for college football. But it's it's very messy right now, Michael. And there's, there's so much up in the air. And we're really just like another – another Titans cancellation away from having some major, major issues with the season. And now we're hearing that the Titans may in fact lose some draft picks because of their, their role in all this. And that would be really tough for the Titans who are building in the right direction. And uh, losing that first round pick is, is not, not ideal. Yeah. And when it comes to team building, even when you have a team like the Titans where they're kind of well-built throughout the entire roster, you don't want to miss out on those chances to add key pieces that you get with the first-round pick or whatever happens. I doubt that it results in stripping of at least a first-round draft pick, maybe a later one, but I don't know. I think at, at this point, most likely, even though there were a lot of Titans players that were irresponsible about how they went about this, I doubt it results in draft pick stripping. Yeah, uh, it's, it's tough to really punish the whole franchise for something maybe a few players did. So I don't think they'll make any decision on that until after seeing some people saying, oh, maybe they're going to have to forfeit the game versus Steelers. That would cause so many issues. People will, The Ravens would be complaining so much if the Steelers got an automatic win, and, and, and that's just not, not, ha- not happening. Uh, and the Browns would be mad too. The Browns are looking good. But it's going to be a crazy, you know, Three days of football in the NFL with Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday games. Double header on Monday, and you know I think this is this is going to be a, a time where rookies really need to step up, Michael. There's a lot of the rookies poised to have really, really big weekends. Of course, we'll have our rookies of the week on Monday, but it might be a little off because we're not going to get those Tuesday night those Tuesday, that Tuesday night game in, in the mix. Uh, but however, there are some rookies looking to impact, and the biggest rookie impact already for this weekend is the fact that Anthony Lynn and the Chargers finally decided Justin Herbert is going to be the starter from here on out. Yeah. And there's just so many valuable players around the league that maybe you didn't realize how big of a piece they'd be in this offense and whether they stepped in right away and had this immediate impact or they've just been trending up week after week. There's definitely some key pieces around the league. To really discuss this further, I think we should bring in our guy, Justin Henry. Justin, welcome to the show. How's it going? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. What's up, Justin? Welcome to to our show. 
Uh, I want you to tell all of our listeners where to check out your show this this Sunday and every Sunday. Yeah, this Sunday we also host a show. My co-host and I, Aaron Mutes, we host the Lineup Setters. You can find it at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. We discuss everything fantasy related, whether it's daily fantasy, dynasty, setting lineups. We go over each individual matchups, find the gems and the duds for each week. Very, very nice. So, Justin, you know, obviously when guys are coming in on a limited offseason, it's easy to see that there's a lot of rookies that probably didn't get as much impact early on as they will as the season progresses. Is there anyone in your mind that really stands out as this guy's going to start getting some snaps and he's going to start taking advantage or at least have the opportunity to really make a name for himself in this league? Yeah, you look at a team, you know, you try to look at the team with the old guy coming out, the new regime coming in. It also tends to be, a, you know, when you have rookie running backs coming in, it's also when teams are struggling early on and then they decide, okay, we're going to take for the rest of the season. Let's get some more guys involved. And the team I think that has that component is the Detroit Lions. You know, they went and signed Adrian Peterson. They kind of gave up on their guy, on Johnson, from last year. Uh, but I'm really excited about what DeAndre Swift can bring to the table for that team. I think he's a powerful runner. I think he has all the tools and makings to be a star running back in this league. So I'm really interested to see, are they going to continue to let AP dominate the carries, or are they going to eventually give that up and hand the reins off to DeAndre Swift? Yeah, Michael, you know, Swift, we talked about him after week one. You said Lions fans, we know he dropped the ball to, to lose the game, but be, be, be prepared for him to, to, to break out and he can really – he could really be maybe not a star in the league, but a really quality running back. Yeah, and it's infuriating to watch this Lions game plan at times. I have all the respect in the world for AP, but when you have a league that's just filled with such talented young running backs, it's just I want to see these guys play. And DeAndre Swift, carry on Johnson, I'm a huge fan of both of them. Carry on I get because the injuries have really started to make him sort of unreliable and has taken him out of the rotation. I understand it, but when you have a guy that you spend a second-round pick on in DeAndre Swift that is so powerful with some nice speed that had, you know, put the team on his back at Georgia, and I get he had some games where he had some limited carries, but he was really just dominant all throughout his career. And, you know, when you're a guy like Matt Patricia where you're kind of fighting for your job week after week, you want to have young, promising pieces that really build up your case to why you should stay, and you say, hey, I understand maybe we didn't have the year that we wanted to this year, but you can see – you know, our guy DeAndre Swift, our guy Quinta Cephas, they've really put together this campaign to where I've shown we have promise going forward, and that's why you want to keep me around for continuity with these rookies to continue what success they've built on. But instead we're seeing, you know, 16 out of 25 carries going to AP. So it's just, I don't know. I'm a big Swift fan, so I hope he gets the opportunity as the season goes along. Adrian Peterson currently 19th in the league in rushing. So I'm yeah, just gonna hand it to him, and I mean he, he's doing well, but it's not you know, bad. I think I think, wanna, I think the thing is eventually transition over. You got to be able to have somebody that can take you to the next level. And AP is obviously a stopgap. They brought him in late in uh, training camp or right before the season started after Washington cut him, and it's like you already had plans for Swift. Why would you draft him and not play him more often? So I think that as somebody who's in fantasy, I'm always looking for who can guide me through those weeks 14, 15, 16, kind of in my preparation stages as I'm going through bye weeks. Who's going to get injured? Who's going to be out of the rotation as I'm going to a championship? And, that I mean, DeAndre Swift has all the makings of a league winner. Um, I know, Nick, you mentioned he probably wouldn't be a star, but when you're talking fantasy, man, as long as they're giving me points, that's considered a star to me. Right. Michael, how much of Adrian Peterson playing do you think is Matt Patricia coaching for his job? I don't think it's really him coaching for his job as much as it's just – I think Patricia always kind of favors those, you know, old-school type players. And there's no one more old-school than the guy that can really just lay down a shoulder, pick up three, four yards every time he gets the ball, and that's AP. He's a legend of the game. He's still producing at a decent rate. But I just think with how the team is currently set up, you should really be looking to get Swift involved and kind of open up this offense with the elusiveness that he offers and really trying to rely on Stafford most and most of all. Yeah, and speaking of running backs, uh, right now, I mean, the Colts, they are winning with defense, which is a surprise. But I got to call Justin out here because on Sunday, tune into his show, and he was hating on Jonathan Taylor. Michael, why don't you give Justin a full Jonathan Taylor scouting report, what he could think for, think of him for the rest of the season now that he is a, the starting running back. 
Well, I mean, at Wisconsin. Oh, go ahead, Justin. It's not. It wasn't hate. It was more so game plan. I really like Jonathan Taylor. I have, he is all the makings of a three-down workhorse back for the rest of his career. And I think I was going more game plan. I love what Jonathan Taylor brings to the the table. I'm not a hater by mm-hmm. any means. I'm a Jonathan Taylor endorser. That, I yeah. love what he's going to do in that offense. <laughs> And I think that Phillip Rivers there, obviously they're going and sticking with a running game plan. So if you have him on your fantasy team or if you're even just looking at long-term aspects for Jonathan Taylor, he's going to be an RB1, RB2 for the rest of the season and probably going to be one of the more dominant backs that we see in the league over the next three to five seasons. Uh, he catch, he could run, and obviously Marlon Mack suffering a season-ending injury accelerated that process for him to, to take over the workload. But I love what Jonathan Taylor brings. And I want to bring up one more rookie before we do any type of transition. J.K. Dobbins out of, out of Baltimore is going to take over that offense at some point as well. Book it. Man, and that's another spot. It's like I love Dobbins, but Ingram is just so talented as well. It's tough to really gauge this stuff because – Going into the draft, you know, I was saying, look, I love Swift and I love Dobbins. Those are probably two, one and two. And then the rest, like, you know, I love Taylor, but I wasn't as high on him as the other guys. I really liked Akers. And then opportunity-wise, I was like, man, Swift could potentially get it, but I feel like he's going to split that back to a carry on year one. And then I was looking at Dobbins and I'm saying, is he really going to take this job from Ingram? Whereas Jonathan Taylor comes into Indianapolis and it – you know, Marlon Mack's a fine running back, but when you look at what Jonathan Taylor can already do in terms of he has this wonderful hop step as a runner, and it's really weird to watch, but he just is able to create more yards on each time that he really comes into contact. For my pro comparison at the time, I said he kind of reminded me of Chris Carson, and I think once he gets to his peak, I think he's going to be a little bit better than Carson, but it's just you look at just all he was able to do at Wisconsin with a great O-line, and there's not much better you can do with an O-line than Indianapolis – so I think as the season goes along, Taylor is going to be a key piece of fantasy success for any teams that have him. I don't think Rivers is a guy that's going to be depended on, especially as the season goes along. We see it with a lot of aging QBs. They start to kind of pull back on them, try to let them rest up a bit as the season goes along. If the Colts continue to succeed and win games, they're going to try to rely on Taylor, try to get Hines in the mix, just short, quick passes, stuff like that. But I think Taylor is – clear in a way now with Mac out, especially the best back on this team in terms of running the ball. And I think he's going to be in for a huge season for anyone that has him. Uh, Obviously opportunity is the biggest thing. And we've seen some guys come into opportunity with injuries, Jonathan Taylor with Marlon Mack. Another guy that's really coming into that situation is Joshua Kelly. Now with the Los Angeles chargers with Austin Eckler going down rookie out of UCLA you know, not as highly touted as some of the other running backs in this class, but still ended up going on day two, early day three. I'm not sure exactly. I think it was around five. What do you think about his opportunity there in Los Angeles, especially with the uh, pretty much rookie backfield as Justin Herbert's taking over the starting job at QB? Yeah, and and I also have my concerns about that as well. Uh, I think that he can produce, but when you have a rookie quarterback, what's going to happen is the defenses are going to key in on the run game and make the quarterback beat them. They're going to make them take shots. They're going to make them put them in uncomfortable spots. And so they also have Justin Jackson there too in the backfield. So, you know, it gets to a point now, I know that they've lost Eckler. I'm sure that he'll come back at some point in the season. Um, But now you got a two-headed monster. I think that they're probably riding more of the hot hand. When we saw that last week, you thought it was going to be a breakout game for him. And he kind of, he flamed out. Um, So I think that just that backfield is going to be kind of like the Ravens backfield is now. You just don't know who's going to produce and win. And if the game plan is to shut down the running backs, Unfortunately, that might come at a cost of what Joshua Kelly can do. So until Eckler gets back, uh, I think it's somebody you can plug in as a flex option or might be a small contributor for talking about real football, uh, but it's not somebody that I would consistently trust to produce at a high level over that course of the time. And, you know, we could talk running backs all day. There's guys all around the league that can take this ball, really producers, guys that really come out of nowhere like James Robinson. The running back position is just filled with talent. But I think – the bigger issue in trying to gauge rookie talent is the wide receiver spot. And we've seen guys like Justin Jefferson, CD lamb really come on as of the past two weeks and show out. But there are also guys like Tyler Johnson just last night who got four catches, 61 yards, but people are wondering, you know, is he really going to have that opportunity as guys start to get back from injury? What are some of these rookie wide receivers looking like in terms of projection? And who do you think is really going to start to grow in terms of opportunity and production as the season goes along? 
Well, I think it's tough to evaluate rookie wide receivers because a lot of it is based on opportunity. If a starter goes out or if the, you know, there's just injuries that come up, or I guess in some cases now COVID becomes a factor, um, then we're going to see rookies get opportunity that they, they normally wouldn't. But with rookie wide receivers, it's much more than just, hey, we got to be able to run routes and catch the football. It's also with blocking. So when you have rookie uh, wide receivers that come in and they don't know their blocking assignments, that could be a reason they don't see the field. If they come in and they're not able to produce on those key third down or fourth downs when the team needs it, that could be a reason they don't see the field. Injuries also. And so they're already learning so much more than just running their routes, you know, whether they're in the slot or on the outside. And it's tough to really gauge. I look at a guy like Brian Edwards third round draft pick for the Raiders. And you think, you know, at the beginning of the season, you saw um, Tyrell Williams go down. You're like, okay, it's him and Ruggs. Ruggs went out with the injury. You're thinking, okay, now's his time to shine. And he's still not getting a whole lot of looks. So at the receiver position, it's really just a matter of opportunity. And do you take advantage of it like Justin Jefferson did when his number was called? Yeah, Justin Jefferson has looked tremendous this season, Michael. Yeah, I don't think anybody's really surprised. I think that was one of the best picks of the draft in terms of just opportunity and clear projection because they traded Diggs and everyone says, okay, the Vikings run these two wide receiver sets. They could potentially stick with BC Johnson, but I think the real, you know, guy that they're going to go for is whoever they drafted that first pick in the first round. And they went with Justin Jefferson. Everyone says, well, this is just a great pick. He's a great wide receiver. He has great routes. He's already very polished for rookies as far as they come. And he's produced already. He's putting up hundred yards a game now in these past few weeks. And he's just looking like a stud. Thielen's getting more involved now. Dalvin cook is having some great weeks. This Vikings offense, you know, when, when these guys have these big performances, I think a lot of people start to think, Oh, well now they're going to be focusing on by defenses. But when you're a young rookie and there's guys like Dalvin cook, and there's stars like Adam Thielen, when the when the entire offense starts heating up, the opportunity just gets better. So for Justin Jefferson, who really kind of helped out this team by putting up some big weeks at receiver, and now it's kind of opened the opportunity for Thielen, opened the opportunity for Cook. As these guys all get stronger, Jefferson's just going to put up more numbers, and I think that's why he's going to sustain the success as the season goes on. Yeah, and I think he'll be a little bit inconsistent while he does it. Do I see him being a 1,000-yard receiver? Potentially, but I think that's the high end of where he goes. And I also think that when you have a guy like Dalvin Cook, when you have a guy like Thielen, and you're already not like a super passing team, you're not passing for 350, 400 yards a game, um, you already have limited touches in what you're going to be able to do. So he'll have some explosive performances like the two, the 170-yard game he had two weeks ago, but then he'll also have some duds where he's having three catches, 39 yards, but – I think he'll definitely have an impact in real football. I think he'll have a real impact on what he can do to help that team try to win ball games, not just this season, uh, but moving forward. Kind of what I thought we would see with Michael Pittman in Indy until he got hurt. Uh, you had T.Y. Hilton out there, and then the run game, obviously, with Philip Rivers manning the whole thing. You had uh, Jack Doyle out there, some consistent veteran presence. I thought he would come in nicely and fit in as a third receiver with Paris Campbell until he got hurt. So don't forget about him. If Paris Campbell is out for an extended period of time, don't forget about him out there on your waiver wire. Yeah, I know, Michael, you mentioned uh, him uh, a few weeks ago on the show. Uh, and a lot of times with these receivers, it, it just comes down to the fit and who's their quarterback. And, you know, you're seeing, uh, you know, like with, just with Jefferson, him and Cousins are building a, a rapport very quickly. And I kind of think it just works best with that Mike Zimmer offense to, to have him out there slinging it, slinging it. Uh, and obviously Jefferson's a deep threat taking that that role of, of digs and I think it's kind of uh that's that's really what the big thing is when it comes to rookies just who, who, who how, how quickly they can they can click with their quarterback and you know what's the offensive coordinator play type running because there's been plenty of players who are very talented we think they're going to be great and they just end up in the wrong system uh and you know on both sides of the ball, that happens all the time, especially with, like, the New York Jets. Uh, they bring these talented people in, uh, and everyone's like, there's going to be a can't-miss guy, and there's bust. Um, so it, all, it, all, it really comes down to, Michael, a lot of the times, just the organizational fit and culture. And bringing up the Jets, Denzel Mims looks like he may be coming back eventually. There's no real timetable on when he returns. But we know this Jets wide receiver – group is not the best in the league, you know, currently putting out guys like Braxton Berrios and Jeff Smith and Kevin Hogan. 
It's the man. If you're an ACC football fan, you know, maybe these guys are really exciting to watch for you, but they really need talent here, you know, whether it's Flacco or Darnold at the helm. With opportunity, there's still, you know, opportunity that comes based on playtime and opportunity that comes on offensive success. And a lot of fantasy teams, they build success for their team by trying to get these offenses that are consistently producing. Therefore, you know, their guys are more, more likely to be producing. Yeah. With a guy like Denzel Mims in an offense that doesn't produce so hot, are you kind of, you know, wary about him, even though maybe the talent's there? Are you saying, you know, this guy's easily the wide receiver one once he comes in? Maybe this is someone that you should bring in. You know, he has upside. Put him in your flex and see what can happen. Yeah, I think when you're talking to a guy like Denzel Mims, big body, a lot of a lot of bigger receivers also take a little bit more time to develop. So if you're looking dynasty and you're like, man, I want to have, you know, just some upside to have, I think Denzel Mims is a good place to look. Unfortunately, I think he's tied to a quarterback that's also uh, probably not as good as we thought, Sam Darnold. Uh, I think that there's uh, some key things that Darnold does not do well. And unfortunately, in a, in a offense that doesn't have a lot of yardage to go around, Denzel Mims might be the kind of player that is, you know, just in the wrong situation at the wrong time, uh, unfortunately. So I think if they can get a new QB there, or a different uh, probably coach that can actually coach the team, you might see a little bit of a difference in Denzel Mims' optimism from me, but um, I don't see really a lot, especially this year, I don't really see a lot of value for a guy like Denzel Mims. It's just the offense isn't high-powered enough. And when you're talking fantasy, you want to stay in high-powered offenses. That's the, the most important thing. But when an offense has really no offensive threats, it's kind of like the Robbie Anderson effect. You know, you saw Robbie Anderson. He was like the one player you could get from the Jets, and even he was super inconsistent. So – it's tough to, to have a, uh, a piece like that. Like, I can't name a, jet, a giant right now, a New York giant, that I want to have on my fantasy team. Just uh, I, think you, I think you loved Evan Ingram. Man, Evan Ingram's gone, man. Had to get rid of him. I told I you. You got to play Gronk over Evan Ingram. No <laughs> doubt about it. But listen, we had to I step just... up and get, a, get new tight ends. All yeah, I mean... We got a um, uh, – what's the name out of, out of Dallas? Not Schultz. Darwin, um, I'm losing it right now, man. Dalton Schultz? Yeah, Schultz. Schultz Dalton there Schultz. There we go. So we went and picked up Dalton Schultz. I think everybody should pick up Joe Flacco this weekend. For a look at the game of football <laughs> from a coaching scout administrator perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft to efficiency, from pregame to postgame film analysis, to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Football, And you can listen to this podcast and Justin's podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. Justin, it's been fun. Let everybody know, again, once again, where they can find you and then, of course, where they can hear you this Sunday. Once again, appreciate you guys having me on. The lineup centers on at 9 a.m. Eastern. Uh, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Sundays. You can catch us going over all fantasy questions. If you have any questions about your team specifically, would love to answer them. Thanks again, guys, for having me on. Thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, Justin. Justin and the lineup setters right here on the Landry Football Network live at 9 a.m. Eastern every Sunday. And, Michael, we did a lot of NFL talk. We did some fantasy talk. And I think you're itching right now to talk some college football coming up this weekend. Yeah, there are some huge games coming up, and I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. You know, when you look at just this past weekend and just how many great games there were, now we kind of ramp up as the season goes along. Whether it's the same quality of games, you know, you could debate that every every day of the week, but there's definitely some exciting play coming this, this season. No doubt about it. Uh, Michael, I think it's time for us to maybe bring an expert to look at this. What do you think? I think so. Let's bring in our guy, Brian. Brian, how's it going? Michael, Nick, happy Friday, guys. What's going on? Happy the three of us are, are finally reuniting. Brian, he, he's, he got his Stanley Cup with the Lightning. Now today his, his team is being blown up. Everybody's going all over the league, so he's a little upset losing Shankirk and Tyler Johnson, but... He's, he's going to be happy once he, he makes his wallet batter this weekend with some, some college football bets, right? You know it. You know all good teams break up salary cap sports. That's what happens. Yeah, so you gotta, I mean, you got to head over to Bonus Seekers to, to make sure how you can uh, get that extra money. Maybe maybe the Lightning are, 
any dynasty could could use some bonus cap money, but that's a discussion for another day. Well, looking ahead to the college football weekend, Brian, we got some big games. Let's start it off with Florida versus Texas A&M at 12 o'clock. Some of the players to watch for me, I got Kyle Trask at the quarterback position. He's really put up some great performances to where you can really start to hear this hype going around draft media circles and potentially NFL circles as well about just how good this guy can be. Some people are talking already as high as a first-round pick. Some people are already jumping the gun saying this is the new Burrow. He's going to rise up boards and really be this, you know, one or two QB. We'll see what happens. But, you know, how you really establish that stock is by having great games against great teams. Texas A&M is one of those teams. Kyle Pitts is another guy to watch at the tight end position. You know, not your typical standard inline tight end, but he can really play that wide, big slot type position. 6-6, absolutely, you know, incredible at getting these deep passes. He is a uh, he's a star weapon for this Florida Gator offense, and he will be huge going forward. For Texas A&M, Michael Clemens, defensive end for this team. He's 6'4", 275, really fills out his frame nicely, had an outstanding game against Alabama and has had a great start to the season. Watching this guy, I really just was amazed that no one's been talking about him. I think he has really proven himself. And if he continues to have big weeks against teams like Florida and other SEC opponents, we could be talking about him more and more as the draft gets closer. Brian, what is your take on this game in terms of spread and everything else? Yeah, so here's the deal. Uh, you talked about Florida. You know, this week is Florida's first, you know, test, if you want to call it that, because, you know, because, you know, we see the teams that they played before. I think they beat up on Tennessee Martin and they beat up on Towson and they beat up on Ole Miss. But here's the I really don't think this team's going to have much problem with Texas A&M. This team, uh, A&M kind of, you know, Kellen Mond is good, but A&M sort of barely got out of its own way against Vanderbilt. And they gave up 52 points to Alabama. And I could see Florida going for 35 points themselves in this one. Um, you know, Trask, Pitts. Too much Florida. If you can get Florida at, you know, minus six and a half, I definitely think the Gators buy a touchdown in this one. Moving on to our next game at 3.30, we got Tennessee versus Georgia. Brian, what's your take on this game? Obviously, Tennessee is playing very well now, the number 14 team in the nation. Georgia coming off of a big win against Auburn. Has Alabama next week? Could this potentially be a trap game? Look, you and I talked last week about how Georgia better watch out for Auburn. And, you know, Georgia was ready for, for Auburn. They really, you know, stuffed them. And, you know, Tennessee has done a nice job so far. I won on the road at South Carolina. It dominated Mizzou. But the next two weeks are different because Tennessee has Georgia, and then Tennessee goes to Bama. So the Vols could be crashing down to earth a little bit these next couple of weeks. And like I said, Georgia just smothered Auburn last week. And there is a little bit of that fear of a look-ahead game. But I think teams in college football know that they just about have to go undefeated. You don't really get any of these. You know, in the NFL, you could lose a trap game and still win your division. You know, mm -hmm. Georgia can't really afford that sort of thing. You know, the only way they could really lose a game and go to the national championship is if they lost to Alabama. Right. You know, I mean, any team on this graphic here, Brian, that loses one game is basically done. And I mean, maybe Clemson, if they have one loss and they lose two, and, and it's undefeated Miami or Notre Dame, they have a chance to get in. But everybody else, if they lose a game, they're most likely not getting in the college football playoffs. I would just say that if Georgia lost to Alabama, but then still beat Florida and beat everybody else, um, you know, there's a chance that they'd have to win again in the SEC championship. But that's the way that they, you know, would get in. Anyway, I see uh, Georgia definitely winning this game. I mean, I see a lot of people do like Tennessee to keep it pretty close, but until somebody scores on Georgia, you know, I'm not going to bet against them. So they're giving away 12 points and I just lay it and hope that they don't, you know, that they keep Tennessee, you know, under two touchdowns. Yeah. For players to watch in this game, starting out immediately, we got Tennessee wide receiver, Josh Palmer. I think he's a bit of a sleeper right now, not really getting the love that he's deserved. He's put up some great games. For the Tennessee Volunteers, he's had some great moments last year when watching his film. And now this is where you really prove yourself because another player to watch is Tyson Campbell. Both him and Eric Stokes have really been stars for this Georgia defense, allowing them to really blitz so many guys and really confuse quarterbacks because these cornerbacks are just so good at sticking to their guys in man, sticking to their guys in zone. Tyson Campbell is a very physical cornerback. 
Eric Stokes is a very athletic and speedy corner. I'm not sure who's going to get the Josh, who's going to get the Josh Palmer assignment, but I think that this is really just a big outing for Palmer and for Campbell really to prove themselves against another very talented weapon. We're looking at Zamir White as the other player to watch running back out of Georgia. Georgia continues to just produce running backs year after year. Zamir White is no different. Stands at about six foot with 215 pounds on his frame. Absolutely dominant versus Auburn was huge in setting this offensive or this offense up for some success. Zamir White maybe doesn't have the name, and I think it's mostly just due to the fact that he hadn't been getting as many carries with DeAndre Swift there. But now he's the main back, splitting the backfield with James Cook, and he is dominating. So look out for Zamir White to have a big game against Tennessee. Moving on to our next game and our final previewed game for the weekend. At 7.30, we got Miami going and playing Clemson. This is big for both teams. Miami wants to prove that the U is back. Clemson, this is probably going to be one of their biggest tests of the season until we get to the playoff time. Obviously, you know, Clemson is an established powerhouse, so this is really a big prove-it game for Miami. Brian, what do you think happens in this one? Yeah, you know, people are going to be asking whether the the U is back, kind of like whether Texas is back. You know, we hear it all the time, but no, I don't think so. They're both top 10 teams, and I don't want to take anything away from what Manny Diaz has done and the direction that Miami is headed in, but you know, one team is seventh ranked, one team is first ranked, but they just don't feel like they should be, you know, compared on the same level beyond that. You know, it, it doesn't even, they're in the same conference and it doesn't even feel like, you know, they should be like uh, Miami has played UAB, Louisville or Florida State. Clemson's defense is none of those. And um, I just, you know, Clemson plays so many easy games that when they actually get a good team and a game they need to get up for, uh, it's just so easy for them. And, you know, basically they're giving away two touchdowns at minus 14 or less. Clemson, easy bet. Above that, it gets a little tricky, but I expect Clemson to score about, you know, 40 points in this game. So I I don't think the turnover chain is going to be making an appearance in this game. So maybe, I, maybe if a, if a uh, returner, uh, you know, fumbles a kickoff or something. It's crazy to think like, yeah, Miami's top 10 team, but they're just like so far away from Clemson on the, the talent scale, Michael. For sure. And for players to watch, that's kind of the theme I went with. You know, we know these Clemson guys are talented. We know Trevor Lawrence is a star. We know Travis Etienne is a star. We already know that about these guys. So for the players to watch, I got De'Eric Keen, King, Cameron Harris, and Quincy Roche. Both of the, all three of these guys are guys that can really build their stock by showing out against Clemson. So De'Eric King going against Clemson's defense, and Cameron Harris as well. They haven't really gone against a same a same level defense as Clemson. So really proving that they could be stars in these big games is how you really get your draft stock established. Cameron Harris has been a star in the early part of this season and has been huge for Miami. I think he doesn't get the same love that he deserves because De'Aaron King has put up numbers as well. But Harris has been the key piece for this Hurricanes offense. And if they want to win, they need to control the ball and really get Harris rolling. But at the same time, keeping the ball in their hands and out of Trevor Lawrence's hands as much as they can so that when he does come onto the field, he doesn't have, you know, this consistent play time and it's really starting to make him sporadic in his time. And then for Quincy Roche going against Jackson Carmen, obviously I'm not as high as Carmen as I talked about last episode, but still this is a great opportunity to really prove yourself in terms of draft prospect. You look at two guys, that are getting love in the process and Jackson Carmen and Quincy Roche, the winner of that outing is going to have a huge piece of film to show off to teams as we go forward in this draft process. No doubt about it. Uh, anytime you could, uh, you know, win a, a top seven matchup and it doesn't really happen too often, but, uh, and it, the circumstances are very different this year. So we're going to see a lot of just in conference games, no matter what, we know the big conference there with ACC has three really good teams, Notre Dame, Miami, and Clemson. And, of course, the SEC has a ton of good teams. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see there what, what comes out of it. 
Uh, Brian, is there any team that you're like definitely avoiding putting bets on? I would guess it's going to be Oklahoma at this point. Uh, not for an individual game thing. You know, I think that they're fine. Uh, if you're talking about making it to the college football playoff or winning their conference, you know, at this point, probably not. But uh, I think Oklahoma minus two and a half is an actually an okay bet for tomorrow. Yeah, there you go. And I guess it was, I was surprised, but were you surprised that uh, the, the, the Mississippi State game hit, hit the under last week? I don't know if Mike Leach ever had, a, had an under before. Never in his life. Not in the past. <laughs> Definitely not. I don't think that Washington, I, I think they would have fired him from Washington State if he didn't either score or give up 40 points a game. It's in his contract. Right. There's some other big games out there as well. North Carolina versus Virginia Tech is huge for both teams really going forward in terms of establishing really where they're at in the ACC. UNC has built up a lot of hype, had a bit of a down week against Boston College, but if they can bounce back and have a strong week against Virginia Tech, I think they've established themselves to where they be up there in the standings and really be up there in terms of respect. Do you have any opinions on this game? North Carolina is one of those teams that you expect to be able to put up a ton of points. And, you know, it's really whether or not they're going to be able to stop anyone in, in a game where a shootout is a little bit expected and the total for that game is creeping up near 60, I definitely just trend towards the team that I know is going to put points on the board, and that's a North Carolina offense. They're, you know, and they're only uh, they're only giving away three and a half points. So if you can get that to a field goal, I'd take North Carolina. Brian, where should uh, the listeners go this week to to get these these bonus these bonus tips and sign up for some bets? Yeah, well, if you're looking for a place to sign up and want to choose a, you know, among the best sports books, you can get a great look at all the bonuses and everything they offer at bonusseeker.com. That's definitely the place to go. You'll be able to find out what kind of welcome bonus they're going to give you. You can scan through you know, each site and you know, figure out what you like. You can find out what each one has to offer. And I would also like to tell the great people of the South that you know, a lot of these states that have sports betting are, are in the North, but... You know, Tennessee on November 1st is scheduled to launch sports betting. And you know what that means? You know, if you live in Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Mississippi, Arkansas, Kentucky, and you are anywhere around Tennessee, you will be able to participate in online sports betting. I know that in a lot of places you can, but if you live around any of those places, you will be able to. And when you want to sign up for a sports book, they'll be available at bonusseeker.com. Make sure you get all the best bonuses there. Thanks, Nick. No doubt about it. Michael, any other games you're looking forward to this weekend? Uh, one to keep an eye on, I think, is Missouri versus LSU. Currently, I think Missouri's supposed to lose by over two touchdowns. Watching this Alabama film, they obviously lost pretty handily, but I think there were a lot of key pieces to this Missouri team that really showed out in terms of really establishing their stock. Nick Bolton, Gillespie at the safety spot. You got guys like Larry Roundtree who have really proven themselves as running back. And, you know, you look at LSU, they struggle against Mississippi State. I think they're going to be better, and I think it's still a risky bet to do. But I think Missouri has the talent to where we could see a closer game than people are kind of expecting in terms of odds. No doubt about it. Now let's let's quickly go to the NFL. Brian, I really want to talk to you about the odds for the, the Cardinals-Jets game. That's been pulled off the board for now as it's yeah. – uh, up in the air, but hey, at least the Jets won't be able to lose this Sunday. Uh, well, I was gonna—they're right. looking at the original line. Um, I was gonna come on here. I was excited to tell you that I thought Flacco and the Jets were 100% going to cover this weekend, and I also thought there was a great chance for Flacco to lead the Jets to their first victory, Super Bowl MVP, leading Gang Green to win. Oh wow! Um, as uh, as great. Sorry, let me fix my hat here. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I was going to expect from the Joe Flacco offense. Here's the thing. I don't know how you think that you're going to put a less mobile quarterback into just a horribly constructed and run offense and think that it was going to turn out any better. Like I, if I, I don't, I don't see it turning out any better. Not any bit of Flacco's fault. He's got no talent around him. He obviously can't, you know, move. So if the jets aren't going to be able to give him a few seconds, he would be in some trouble there. No. I mean, he looked he he looked impressive last week. Two for two, 
<laughs> no incomplete passes. I just got a feeling like that. He, I just had a feeling that. And let's see the fight. I don't know if there's going to be a game. We'll have to see what the testing goes. Uh, I just had a feeling that for some reason it's going to be the one the Jets are going to win. Uh, I don't like what I saw from the Cardinals the last two weeks. I was very surprised that they even lost both of those games. Uh, and I just felt like, for you know, I, I didn't think the Jets were going to go winless. And I just felt like this was a one that this was a game they could have won. Yeah, I mean, they're really only chances at a win are going to be that uh, with the bye sandwich between the two Dolphins games, there will be a chance to just steal one of those because, you know, the Dolphins are capable of, you know, just blowing a game, you know, so they're just as capable of it as the Jets are really. So, you know, maybe one of those, but I'm not sure. I, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think Cardinals playing the Jets is where you look to bounce back and you're saying, hey, you know, this is this week where we really prove ourselves. We're going through so many losses. Let's fight through adversity and win. And then, you know, you go out against the Jets, you win like 31 to three and you're saying, yeah, we're contenders again. And, you know, everyone knows <laughs> that you're playing the Jets and it's like, yeah, but, you know, you take the win when you get it. And you try to build momentum off of it. I'm sure Cliff is probably trying to really make this some big motivational week where they really prove themselves and have these great games on Sunday so that, you know, most likely if the Cardinals are going to be a legit team and make playoffs or even have a winning season, you got to win games like this. So, right. you know, inside this locker room, maybe not Cliff specifically, but I'm sure the strength and conditioning coach, whoever is the big hype guy, they're saying, this is the week we really prove ourselves. Arizona Cardinals and you know they come out they have a good week against the Jets because most teams do and then you know you hope to ride that momentum going forward and really get all that confidence back that you may have lost with the past losses no doubt about it at you know Monday we did our show and minutes after we get off the air Bill O'Brien gets fired pretty much long overdue I know you guys both were on the, the thought train that Adam Gaze is gonna get fired first I think he's gonna stay here at least another five weeks uh, maybe at least until the bye week at minimum. I think Quinn is on thin ice. He might be gone by the end of this month, no doubt about it, with the Falcons. But uh, I talked about it on uh, You Know I'm Right with Joe, and I think that there's a really strong possibility, Brian, that Bill O'Brien ends up being the Jets head coach next season. Oh, well, just based on the, uh, you know, repeated organizational ineptitude, that just sounds great. You know what they should do? They should give them the GM job, too. I think, <laughs> I think, I think, the, I think the only reason that I, I thought that Adam Gase would get fired before Bill O'Brien is because Bill O'Brien, the GM, yeah. would have to fire Bill O'Brien. So. And I just thought he would get his job for a couple extra weeks. Uh, imagine Bill yeah. O'Brien went into... The owner's office said, you know what? I'm going to fire myself from the, being the head coach. I'll just be the GM. What, what does the owner say about that? <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, that would be an awful hire. Just a, another, you know, these retread hires, you wonder when will the retread stop and the offensive innovators like, you know, you saw how Sean McVay and everyone he knew, right, Nick? We've talked about it a lot, started getting opportunities. Well, We've got to stop giving Adam Gase and Bill O'Brien jobs and Eric Bieniemy and guys like that need to become head coaches and we'll get the next wave of innovators in here and see which ones yeah. sort of stick and which ones don't. But I, I wouldn't understand sort of the the retread move. I mean I figure they want to get an established name in there. You know, rumors coming out now they regret not hiring Mike McCarthy. We'll see how that works out with the Dallas Cowboys. But the, the the big problem with the Jets is they keep hiring a coach before a GM, and they and the and the GM has no say in who the coach is. So if they get rid of Gase here, uh, even though it's Douglas's buddy, uh, at least he'll have the opportunity to actually hire somebody he wants. Because if you remember, Bowles came in before McCagnan, and McCagnan never got to pick a coach. But the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that even though Douglas wasn't technically hired first, so he wasn't in charge of hiring Gase, they do have the same agent. Like you said, like they're buddies and they know each other. So they definitely were still signed off on one another. So I'm not hanging the – can't hang the Gase hire on a guy who wasn't there. So it's not Joe Douglas's fault or no, no that, that it hasn't worked out. But, you know, I do wonder whether or not he'll even – I do think he'll definitely, like, be fired, but – you know, who knows? Who knows with the Jets to think that there is still months to go 
in a Jets football season is just absolutely, you know, alarming to me. But uh, one thing, and I thought of the same thing when, Michael, we were talking a lot about, you know, teams drafting and whether we're going to see new quarterbacks, you know, next year in the league. And I just think that you see teams make safe choices when it comes to hiring a new coach. Let's hire the guy who's been a coach before. At least we can't get maligned for hiring the guy who's never been a coach before. And I yeah. think the owners who aren't truly football guys are just more worried about what the potential backlash could be from the media or from fans over rather than just taking a chance. You know, I'd rather see the Jets take a chance on a guy who's never been a coach, but maybe he's been a good offensive coordinator than just go get a coach who's been bad at it for five years. So, yeah, and I will say, I don't think Bill O'Brien's necessarily a bad head coach. I think when you look at this guy, let's say this is where the, the great head coach line is. He was probably, you know, right here and like, he's a good head coach. I think so. But it's the fact that his GM thing is, I, I have to get it on camera, so I'll try to position it right here. But really, his GM ability is like, down here where I'm off camera. So there's only there's only one the middle between that. When you meet in the middle between where he is as a GM and as a coach, it tanks the stock so much. And when you're the Texans, you can't say, hey, you're just no longer GM because then he's gonna get pissed and you just have this huge issue. When when he traded Hopkins, there it was well known if this doesn't work out, Bill O'Brien, he's on the hot seat and he doesn't he doesn't get by just making playoffs. He has to have a contender that teams actually believe in and that fans actually believe in. He has to prove that this Texans team is really capable of winning a Super Bowl without Hopkins because Hopkins was a star for this team. He traded Hopkins, and they start out 0-4. They say, no, I can't do that. We're going to find our new GM. We're going to eventually find our new head coach, and we're going to move forward with that. And- the only thing I could say about Bill O'Brien for this season is, I never seen such a hard schedule in the first month. For uh, sure, he had a he had a hard schedule. Vikings, when but- you're when you're a contending team, you got to be able to win some of those games. Yeah, we talk so much about quarterbacks and coaches that are kind of saddled in a bad position because the team is bereft of talent in so many places, and that falls squarely on the GM. Well, to be the guy who put yourself in that situation somewhat, mm-hmm. you know, it has to count towards something, and. You know, maybe he gets another chance where he could just be the head coach and maybe that'll rehabilitate his uh, sort of like image a little bit. But I don't know if a guy learns their lesson at all. If he turns around and gets another job, you know, just next year, just right away. Especially there have definitely been some coaches that have been very deserving uh, that haven't gotten that chance yet. Keep an eye on on Mike McCagnon going back to the Texans in some capacity because that's originally where he was a scout. I think he did a decent job as a scout. The player personnel person, as guy, he was their guy. Just don't let him touch my draft ever again. (laughs) And I think for Bill O'Brien, you know, I don't think he gets an NFL job, but I do think for the college football level, he's going to be a very enticing candidate after we saw what he did with Penn State in his short time there. You're looking at spots like Texas, spots like USC, spots like South Carolina, the other USC. You know, there's a lot of enticing jobs where they're going to be interested in a guy like Bill O'Brien if the time comes where they're looking for a new coach. And, you know, what we saw from Bill O'Brien at the college level, I don't think there's many better options right now. I think two of the main coordinators who should definitely be deserving of getting a head coaching job – got to be the, the Chiefs offensive and defensive coordinator. I know people say, oh, Spagnola, he was terrible with the Rams as the head coach. That was not a good position. That was not a good place for him to go. Uh, he had to take that job, though, coming off the big Super Bowl with the Giants. Uh, but I think you, you've seen it now. He's won a Super Bowl as defensive coordinator with two different teams. Uh, we knew the Chiefs offense was there, but they were really good defensively last year in the playoffs, especially when they kept going down early. Uh, and I think he's someone that should definitely get some interviews, uh, but obviously with the offensive coordinator, he's he's the hot name in the market, and I'm sure that's who a lot of the Jets fans are hoping to get. I think for the Texans, the perfect guy to hire is Greg Roman. You look at what he's been able to do in Baltimore, and it's just been incredible. You kind of have a similar skill set between Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson, where they both are good passers, but I think they also are able to create these big plays with their legs not necessarily running the ball upfield, but just being able to create plays in the backfield, moving around the pocket and getting these big passing plays by extending the play, moving outside the pocket, moving around inside the pocket. And then also when you take away a key offensive coordinator 
for a young quarterback like Lamar Jackson, if you can stunt his development at all and you're hurting one of the other contenders in the AFC, you're helping yourself out. So I think Greg Roman knows what he's doing with QBs that offer the mobility that Deshaun Watson offers. I think he has succeeded plenty with, you know, building offensive line success for his teams and, you know, looking at just how talented this Houston Texans roster is already. It's an enticing spot for roster talent, not so much for draft capital, but I think a guy like Roman is just an absolute perfect fit for this team. And that's who I want them to hire. If they do decide to bring in, uh, you know, one of the offensive coordinators out there. Right. Obviously, uh, you know, they're, they're not looking at the draft in the first round because they don't have a draft pick, which is unfortunate for them. But we'll get to Michael's risers, uh, the draft board in a moment here. But um, Brian, any, any last thoughts on this uh, the coaching carousel, which has already begun? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I do think that someone like Spagnuolo's done really a really good job in a lot of different spots. But you have to remember that uh, the 49ers have Robert Sala, who if if there is going to be a defensive coordinator hired to be a head coach, I, he might be the first one. But other than Eric Bieniemy, another name that will probably be hot on the market, I don't know whether or not he'll get a job this offseason. But it's coming the way we look at, you know, offensive innovators. Uh, Byron Leftwich is definitely mm-hmm. – get one of these NFL jobs. It's not maybe going to be this year because I don't know quite how many jobs there will be. Some coaches might get, um, you know, a little leniency because of the unpredictability of this season and all that. But the next time where there are some sweeping changes and you're looking for new, fresh offensive minds, Byron Leftwich has quietly sort of risen the ranks. And, you know, he's been a play caller for a couple of years now, innovative offensive guy. He's another one I'd uh, keep in mind. Brian, real quick, I want to ask you, you know, obviously, whenever he first took the job and backed out, it, it hurt his stock. But Josh McDaniels has proven himself. And, you know, now looking back in hindsight, maybe he got a little tip on Andrew Luck and was like, hey, this guy may not be around as long as you're thinking. And he said, okay, well, then never mind. So looking at that, do you think McDaniels is a key contender for any head coaching jobs this offseason? Looking at what he's done with Newton this season, I think – People are really seeing, hey, this wasn't all on Brady. McDaniels is a very fine coordinator. Maybe he deserves another shot. What are your thoughts on him? A hundred percent. Because I don't think people, I don't think teams will be afraid of what happened last time because everyone knows what what happened. You think Josh McDaniels is going to turn around and do the same thing again? No, he's not going to. He's going to take whatever job he gets and he's going to keep that job. And he probably won't accept a job until he really, really likes it because he learned from the whole situation, you know, and he – he absolutely, uh, you know, he absolutely will be a candidate. I think there's still a little bit of time to go to see how this camp thing works out. If he comes back, um, you know, healthy and looks good like he did before, because otherwise McDaniels is working with a lot less, isn't he? With Hoyer, with you know, and it'll be hard to make that offense look, uh, look great, you know, with those guys, but he absolutely should be, you know, kept in mind. It's, it's only, it's only players that when Bill Belichick gets rid of them, they're not good anymore. Not coordinators. I think McDaniels is going to wait it out five to seven years and then just take over the Patriots job at this point. I just feel like he's super comfortable there. Uh, and he's pro- we don't know, but he's probably the highest paid coordinator in the league, I would think. Uh, Michael, if there was an heir apparent to the Patriots throne at the to be determined time that Bill Belichick decided to retire, it would have to be McDaniels. Yeah, I, think, I, think I, think, so. I think Belichick will remain on as GM, though. Once once he retires from coaching, see that. So I, you don't I think so? You think he's going to step away from both at the same time? No, I think that he would definitely do some like he would just go be a head scout somewhere, never have to speak to anyone, do anything because he just loves football. Belichick, he doesn't care if you have to ask him any questions. He'll t- he'll talk to you about it, you know, for forever. Just like the most minute little special de- teams detail, like he'll go scout. He'll go scout Maction. Like he doesn't care. He could be Rutgers lacrosse coach. <laughs> but, yeah, I agree with Michael. McDaniels is their parent. Has to be. No question. Yeah, he seems like a good one. I don't think Steve's going to be getting his dad's job right away, at least. He may eventually come into an opportunity, but if, I if think McDaniels is a guy right now. If McDaniels takes a head coaching job uh, next year, Bill O'Brien could definitely be the offensive coordinator for the Patriots once again. 
I think Steve is going to have to eventually get, he's going to eventually get hired to be a defensive coordinator elsewhere. And then everyone's going to find out this guy's a genius too. It wasn't just his dad. And then he's going to end up the head coach somewhere too, but you just got to wait. Hopefully Joe judge hires him. Yeah. I think, I think all those uh, late time stories, instead of lullabies, he was getting some playbook readings. I think it's, I think it's implemented his mind. And now he's just another amazing football guru probably. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you and I were you and I were getting bedtime stories, and he was getting like cover two, like in the crib. There's no question about it, no doubt. In my mind. His dad brought in the little rolly whiteboard and was like, "All right, look at this right here." <laughs> yeah, it, do you remember the, during the draft when there was a setup of the dog sitting at the table where Belichick? Yeah, was absolutely. Up? That was Steve Belichick in his high chair as like a four year old. There you go. Well, so maybe, like, maybe maybe if Bill stays on as GM, he could just hire his son as the coach, and then he could just channel everything he wants. Uh, he wants him. So we're obviously we're running out of time, so we're gonna punt on the draft risers till next week. So stay tuned for that. That's what we call a cliffhanger. Uh, but Brian, it's, uh, it's been real fun having you on, and we're really enjoying this segment. And one last time, let everybody know where to go to to get. The draft wisdom, not not just the draft wisdom, but the the betting wisdom that you are providing everybody. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy this every week. I'm sorry to bump your segment, but it's a great way. It's a great way to close out Friday for sure. And um, if you're looking to bet on sports and need to sign up for a site, you can. Uh, we can help you make a choice over at bonusseeker.com. If you're interested in betting on parlays or on Thursday night football, you can head over to Bonus Seeker. Some analysis written by me every week. I fully welcome you to tweet at me afterwards and tell me how wrong I am. No worries. Yeah, and Brian, one thing for Sunday. The over-under in the Jaguars-Texan game is 54 and a half. What do you, where are you leaving on that? I assume like, it seems like that's a high number. It seems like it's a high number, uh, and as much as I think Houston will come out ready to play, they just can't play defense. So you can change the coach, but you can't really change the fact that they uh, are going to give up a lot of points. I'm not quite sure about 54. I would have some reservation, but I wouldn't hesitate to take Houston. I think that they're going to come out rolling. Vikings Seahawks 57 is the over under. I think it's going to it's going to be a high scoring game. I, I think. No. So. This is, yes, yes, maybe, but this is going to be just like last week on Monday night with the Packers, over under 57, let the public, let the public hammer it, under, under in that game, there could be some rain and some wind in Seattle, all you need is one turnover, one, you know, touchdown drive that turns into a field goal and you're not getting 58 points, it's a I think, I think for an easy under, we got a Miami versus San Francisco at 50 and a half. I don't think either of these offenses are going to be putting up 24 in this game. Take the under there. If you're getting advice from me. So, you know, if it, if it doesn't go wrong, you know, as Brian telling you this, I didn't say anything, but you know, I, I think that's an easy under right there. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, people shouldn't be afraid each week to bet teams who played bad last week. Now don't bet on the jets still, but um, you know, and I say that cause it's such a week to week league, you know, money uh, line jets this week, you know, we're waiting for the Cowboys to play well. And you know, the giants played really well last week. So, you know, they got crushed by the 49ers when everyone thought they would play well. And then when everyone thought they'd get crushed by the Rams, they play really well. I can't really figure out the giants from against the spread perspective, but <laughs> Cowboys are eventually one day going to put it all together. I think the Cowboys, Boys can win by 10 points this weekend. I do. All right. Well, everybody check out in the zone.io. I'm pretty sure Brian will have some sort of betting article there for you this week. And maybe we'll uh, talk to him next week about why he decided to, to bet uh, with the giants this week and the jets again, or this might be the week he bets <laughs> against the jets and they finally cover the spread. <laughs> well, you're going to have to go read it to find out. I didn't touch the jets game. <laughs> there you go. In the zone.io. That's where Brian's going to have his article. And of course, bonusseekers.com. Michael, another another great show in the book, Destination Draft Day, right here for LandryFootball.com. And give it give you the last words, Michael, if there's anything you're looking forward to this weekend. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's some huge games going on, whether it's the NFL or college football level. I think the biggest thing is just trying to keep an eye on these guys, going back and reevaluating. You know, even if you're just checking the box scores, trying to take note of who's really showing out in these big games and trying to later go back and watch that, it's – it's a week-to-week thing, like Brian said, and that happens for prospects, that happens for NFL players. Every time you step on that field, it's an opportunity, and I think this is a huge opportunity, both in the NFL and college football, for a lot of players to really establish themselves on the scene, whether it's in the NFL or as a draft prospect. So 
I'm looking forward to it, and I can't wait to get watching. Brian, Nick, it's been an excellent show. To our watchers, our viewers out there, thank you so much. Again, thank you to Justin for all his insight and coming on to the show today. Everyone, have a great weekend, and we'll see you guys on Monday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.